WBNE. Howdy, Yokes. Before we get started today, this episode of Bacon and Eggs is brought to you by our patrons. I almost thought it was brought to you by something else, but that's next week. Oh, well. Anyway, this episode of Bacon and Eggs is brought to you by our patrons. I'm Ethan Edgehill. I'm one of the creators of the show, and uh, Tyler's not here to do the ad this week, so I have to talk to you about Patreon. You should go to patreon.com slash bacon and eggs. And you can get all of our great reward tiers, including unedited episodes where you probably just heard me mess a couple things up. I don't know if I'm going to change this or not. So if you didn't, then you never knew what happened. But $10 patrons. Hi. Anyway, uh, you can also get access to the Hash Browns, the bonus show, the show after the show, the thing that we do when we're done recording the first show. And then there's lots of episodes of that. Lots of good fun. We did a little did a little D&D campaign for a while. We do some other things. Um, Patreon is great. I have no idea how to do this. This is different. Tyler never lets me do it. And now I'm here without him. Anyway, go to patreon.com slash bacon and eggs. You are the people that keep the lights on around here at bacon and eggs. You're the people that keep us doing this show for almost three years now, which is crazy. But anyway, I'm going to get you back on with the rest of the episode. Howdy, yokes, and welcome back to Bacon and Eggs. I'm Tyler Carlin. And I'm Ethan Edgehill. And today we're stealing some art. Or maybe we're just breaking out of prison. So hire a new lobby boy. And push your enemies off a cliff. Because today we're bringing you... The Grand Budapest Hotel. Hi, Ethan. Nice to see you. Hi, Tyler. <laughs> uh, no, Tyler's not here. I am joined this week by the ever-talented Ines Fuenmayor from uh, Sincerely Us, a casual musical theater podcast on the WBE Network. And we're not going to talk about Hamilton, probably. 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 I can't, pro- I can't make any promises. <laughs> I can make zero promises that I'm not going to talk about Hamilton. <laughs> but that is not what we're here to discuss today. We're here to discuss the Wes Anderson movie, Grand Budapest Hotel, directed by Wes Anderson, released March 7th, 2014, which is uh, 2,336 days ago. Uh, released on a, on a shoestring $25 million <laughs> budget, made $172.9 million worldwide. It's actually Wes Anderson's highest grossing movie. Got a 91% uh, critic rating and, and a 86% audience rating on Rotten Tomatoes and an 88 on Metacritic. I love so, this Eni, movie. <laughs> you picked this movie. I did. Sort of. Sort of. Kind of. So when we were talking about uh, picking movies, I realized that I watch a lot of rated R movies. And yeah, same. So when you're like, oh, whatever movie you want to pick, and I, like this was definitely on my list, and I was like, oh, I don't know if we could cover it. This is definitely rated R. Um, but then someone in the Discord server brought up Wes Anderson, so it was inevitable. It was inevitable. Um, yeah, so this one's rated R. I'm not entirely sure if his other movies are rated R or not. Not all of them. I know. Yeah, I don't well, think Moonrise is. Moonrise I don't think Moonrise is. I'm sure Isle of Dogs isn't. Or uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox. Yeah, Fantastic Mr. Fox is definitely rated PG. That one I know for yeah. sure. Um, I don't know any of the other live actions. Let's see. Yeah, most of them appear to be R-rated. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, Royal Tenenbaums is. Um, let's see. I'm pretty sure Life Aquatic is. Moonrise Kingdom. PG-13. Is it? Yeah. Look at that. I mean, I guess it's more about kids than most of them. Yeah, for there's sure. There's always... There's always child involvement, though. I mean, I guess it's not more about kids than, than like, Rushmore, but... I Love Dogs is PG-13, too. Was I wrong about the Fantastic Mr. Fox? No, I was right. PG. <coughs> That's what I thought. That one's, like, a, a, like almost a proper kids movie. Yeah. Like, I, I didn't... It took me a long time to realize that was a Wes Anderson movie. Really? 
Well, because so that came out when I was like younger. 2009. I was a senior in high school. I guess I was I was in high school. That came out later than I thought it did. Am I mixing it up with something? I might be mixing it up with something. I don't think so, but I it's entirely possible. Um, but so I, I have experienced uh, Wes Anderson movies for a long time in my life. Uh, my mom actually used to have a, a The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou board game. Yeah, it's 2009. Um, if it came out on the second half, I had already graduated high school. But um, that was the year I graduated. November 13th. I graduated so, yeah. in 2011. So what is your experience of Wes Anderson movies then? How did you come to love this particular film? So I um, live in Miami. <laughs> uh, we got a lot of specifically like limited release movies and artsy movies and um my dad's favorite thing to do with me on the weekends was to go to the movies so i've been watching like wes anderson movies since i can remember um my dad's a very uh artsy movie lover i guess um so wes anderson's like one of his favorite directors and um that's kind of how I fell into that. So when Grand Budapest came out, I um, I remember actually going with a bunch of my friends who had probably never seen a Wes Anderson movie before in their lives. Um, and it's actually become a, one of our group's like favorite movies to watch. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. I think this is actually I think this is only the second time I've seen this one. Oh no, I've seen the, I've seen this movie over a dozen times. <laughs> so I saw it in the in the run up to the the ever faded 2015 Oscar season. Mm-hmm. Um, just when I was busy watching all of those, all of them, those movies. Yeah. Um, Fair. You know, Birdman and Whiplash and all that picked up. Grand Budapest. Yeah, it was a good, it was a good year for movies, believe it or not. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a good year for movies. And, and, and so I had grown up with those movies. Like the Royal Tenenbaums is one of my mom's favorite movies mm-hmm. of all time. Like she has seen that movie more times than I could possibly count. <laughs> Um, and so they, they've just always been around. I think the first one that I saw of, I mean, Moonrise Kingdom was the first one I saw of like my own volition. Mm-hmm. I think like, like going out and watching a movie for my own purposes. Um, but I do, I do for sure love this one. It's not my favorite though. Okay. I would say it, it, this one, a lot of people don't like Wes Anderson. I, I mean, aware. a lot of people do, <laughs> but a lot of people don't, um, they don't necessarily get his movies, I would say. I mean, that's fair. This, this is, yeah, this is one of those ones where I'm like, okay, I kind of feel you here. Like this, this one is more, it's it's hard to follow a little bit for sure. And okay. it's more crazy than I would say most of them. Yes, for sure. Even though like Moonrise Kingdom is pretty like fantastical. Well, for sure. I mean, Wes Anderson's one of the only people in like American media that can actually pull off the like proper magic realism thing. Yeah, I agree. Where the it takes place in these these like gently fantastical worlds that could or could not exist. So the thing that I like the most about Grand Budapest um, is that I feel like this one is the only one that has like a reason for that. Yes. Um, because you have basically a narrator narrating from another narrator narrating from another narrator. So it's being told like from someone who heard it from someone who heard it from someone. Right. It's getting passed down the telephone line five different times. And this is the only one that shows that for sure. Like, yeah. you know, these movies are always narrated, but this one like and, and I had to actually run the movie back to catch when it went from the first narrator to Jude Law, like in the when in that little break. Yeah, I think it's literally you're seeing the um the little cable car um go yes, up it's, it, and it's the right after changes. that and then there's a, a black screen for half a second and it switches to like the actual hotel in in modern day in the 80s or whatever 
Yeah, or but not even, even modern day in the sixties. Even before that, they they switched the voice that's speaking to Jude Law. So right, like, yeah, that's right when they switch it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it was so seamless there, and like they sound enough. They sound similar enough that I didn't catch it the first time when I was watching. I was like, wait, when did this turn into Jude Law? Because I forgot <laughs> he was in this again. I have yeah. not seen this movie in in a little over five years, and so I was I'd, I'd forgotten that Jude Law was in it. He's not one of the standard players, one of the standard cast of characters. I would I would say of yeah, these movies in the Wes Anderson um, <laughs> movies in the Wes Anderson extended universe. Like there's very very. <laughs> little if no luke wilson in this one is there no there's there's a little bit of owen wilson yeah a tiny bit like a second of owen wilson that's right he takes over yeah um, he takes over as as concierge yeah. so did you notice the uh, the aspect ratio difference i did of the it's, three it's pretty hard to miss um and they actually like they it's fox searchlight sent out apparently like strict instructions on how to project this movie oh really i didn't know theaters that when it came out yeah because i guess the um by this point everybody had almost entirely switched over to digital projecting mm-hmm. and so the the digital projectors will like default to whatever the cinemascope standard is today uh, and they'll like they will they will like manipulate the movie and figure it out to fit it to that yeah and you have so you have to like override that to actually get it to show in like a four three aspect ratio on the big screen i had no idea that's how that worked <laughs> yeah apparently because um the lighthouse is like that that uh freaking whoever did that movie i don't think i've seen it it was it was from last year i think the the one with uh willem dafoe and robert pattinson about the the lighthouse. Oh yes, Who it's shot in like sixteen millimeter black and white, but like not super sixteen, like regular square sixteen millimeter. Yeah, I didn't see that. That's a that's a scary movie. Yeah, it's it's. <laughs> I mean, it's not that scary. I'm really just not good with suspense at all. No, I'm yeah, I'm not. It's it's probably like it's right around like the Get Out level. I would say. Okay. It took me a year to watch Get Out, by the way. I'm trying but to... I didn't watch Get Out until it came out, like, on HBO. Oh, yeah. I definitely would recommend watching it on, like, your phone if you're going <laughs> to watch it. Um, but it's, like, it's not, like, a like a super, super, super scary movie. It's, it's somewhere between, like, The Village and Us. I haven't seen Us because I'm too scared. Oh, man. That's such a good one. <laughs> I don't like scary movies, like, at all. See, I, don't, I just don't like jump scares at all. I like suspenseful movies. Yeah, but I jump at everything. You won't jump at us. I seriously doubt that. It's it is like designed in such a way that you don't, you never get to jump. You never get the relief of jumping. There's no. That sounds there, even worse. <laughs> I know. That's what I'm saying, though, is it, it, there's no safety ever. Like, at least, at least when they get you with the jump scare in one of those jump scare horror movies, you're like, okay, I can breathe for two minutes. <laughs> They're not going to hit me again. I'm good. Oh, yeah. No, I don't know if I'll watch us anytime soon. It's so good, though. Oh, my God. Anyway, this movie is not scary at all. No, it's not. Um, but yeah, the, the aspect ratio thing is super cool. Like, that is not... That is, again, another piece about this movie that I had forgotten that, like, they show... Because everybody has their tricks for showing the passage of time, and, and obviously they're completely different characters. Like, the, you know, the the kid is is F. Murray Abraham as a child. Yeah. I'm like, obviously, I'm not going to mix that one up. <laughs> But yeah, the, using the aspect ratio and, and having the movie almost entirely be in that that four three that that one point four whatever it is. I don't know what what the four three is. I know that so in the beginning when it's like present time present time, it's in like full widescreen. Yeah, yeah, full. And then cinemascope. When it goes back to the Jude Law, um, what is that in the eighties and the sixties? Um, sixties. Yeah, that's in like sixties. Yeah, 
uh, like like eighty style Cinemascope. Like, right. So it's not completely full screen, but it's not completely four three. And then when they go back to the thirties, then that's in like four three. Yeah, it's very. Which, yeah. It's very like I don't want to say jarring, but it, it took a second to get used to. Well, because and and that's the thing is your TV will be smart about that too. You're like your TV at this point will figure it out. Yeah. Usually, so th- those bars have to be like hard put in there, like they are part of the mm-hmm. movie, which is crazy. And like even even if I wanted to try to make something like that, like with Adobe Premiere, like Premiere is designed to fix that for me. <laughs> like you have to go in there and tell the thing so many different times, like, hey, hey, stop. Don't I do want that. it like this. <laughs> I want it like this. <laughs> and of course, it was probably shot with, you know, film at that aspect ratio. Like it's probably how the film was, was gated. Oh, I'm sure. So I'm sure it was less of an issue for them. You know, there just wasn't information there. It's not like they were cutting part of it off. Although I have no idea how they make Wes Anderson movies. This dude's crazy. Like, there is no filmmaker that has a more distinct style, I think, today. I just like, like living today. All of his shots are just like so symmetrical and like it's it's gorgeous. It's one of one of the reasons why he's like my favorite. And like in this movie particular, like ev- I feel like every shot is a motion shot. There's like very fueled few just like still shots in oh, this yeah. movie. So it's even if it's just the, like a full like rotate like tripod rotation, mm-hmm. there's so many of that. Yeah, every like it's just the entire movie is moving the entire time. I mean, he really, he threw the book at this one. Like, they pulled out every trick there was in the bag to make this movie. Absolutely. Like, there's so much of every, because, I mean, the dude's only made, like, seven or eight movies. Yeah. So, um, um, but there's so much of, of all of the previous ones in here. Like, like Moonrise Kingdom was completely locked off, like, yep. tripod shots, which I, I love. That's, I think, I, I do believe that that's my favorite one of his movies. That's Just fair. if for no other that's reason a, that's than. That's a really good one. I love all of his movies. Like, there's. Oh, same. There's some, like, I can't say that I don't like any of his movies. Um, Isle of Dogs was really good. Yeah. Um, that one, that one I saw twice in theaters and I've seen it a, a bunch of times, like, once it's been, like, released digitally. Um, but yeah, I love all his movies, but this I one... I do get bored watching Rushmore. I'll be real with you. I mean, yeah, that's fair. Like, it's such a good one, it, it and it, it has all of the great quotes, and like, you know, one of my favorite Fall Out Boy songs is named after a, a line from that movie, and like, one of my favorite brand new songs is named after a line from that movie, and like, it, it, is, it is transformative, but it just is kind of boring. <laughs> that's fair. I, I'm, I'm not gonna disagree with you on that, um... I'll tell you what was weird was uh, after having seen the Darjeeling Limited like 14 times was being in India and standing there and watching the train fly oh by me. Oh my in God, some, that's like, right. We're in the middle of nowhere in this like mountain town. And all of a sudden, here comes the, 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 the big old friggin' purple ass Harry Potter train. <laughs> I'm like, that was okay. I didn't know that was a real thing that they still did, but sure. <laughs> Oh my god! Um, but no, dude. I, I, people all the time will look at at and and I've sort of tried to avoid this a little bit because it was my obvious instinct going when I first started photography. Uh, I had no rule of thirds training whatsoever. The only training <laughs> I had was was Wes Anderson related. <laughs> And so people will will tag my posts and be like, yo, this is so accidentally Wes Anderson. And I'm like, there's no accident. <laughs> that was whatsoever. not accidental. <laughs> it is not accidental at all. <laughs> Yeah, he he just like there is some. I like, I mean, I rewatched this today. Um, I haven't watched it in oof probably like a year. Um, but I like rewatching this today. There's just like his shots are so beautiful, and like whether you like his his way of storytelling or not, like you can't deny that he's just a great director. Oh, I could put on some some classical music and watch a Wes Anderson movie on mute <laughs> for sure, and just like just watch it happen in front of me. The the only director who knows how to use color of any kind. 
like actual, you know, they, they talk about the, the blue and orange of Hollywood thing. Yeah. That's just non-existent here. Nope. There's a lot of different, I mean, Ray Fiennes is standing there the whole time wearing that like purple tuxedo. <laughs> yeah. The whole no, time I, with like periwinkle pants. And I'm like, this is some <laughs> some true, Albus Dumbledore would be proud of this suit. Like this is your uniform. No, and uh, his use of like light and shadows specifically when shooting Jeff Goldblum in this. Because um, like, I guess like the whole thing is you're not sure whose side the lawyer's really on in this. Because he oh, plays yeah, the lawyer. Sure. So just like he kind of like steps out of the shadows and you're like, okay, so is he a villain? Is he not a villain? And just like the way that he lights him specifically in this movie is just incredible. Yeah, absolutely. I It is like, it's just beautiful. It's it's not, and, and even so, like this is a huge change from, from just even from Moonrise Kingdom where everything was kind of like not washed out, but it was much more like earth tones. Yeah. And then to go to this like, okay, well, so the building's pink and you just have to deal with that. Um, yeah, and then they're wearing purple the whole time. And like the dessert that he gets is like super colorful and just like yeah. everything is just. Oh, my God. And I, I don't even know what kind of lenses they were using for those shots in the in the Jude Law era. Oh, my God. Where like the, yeah. the walls are like bending away from yeah. the center of the frame. I'm like, this is this is you taking something that people are like, hey, don't do this. This is bad. This is not how movies work. And he's just like, OK, <laughs> challenge accepted. Y- your, your point. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Especially like cutting from the uh i guess the 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 1930s era when they're shooting the hotel um to the jude law era where you see kind of like just how much the hotel has like decayed um in that time and yeah it's the the way that he shoots it when jude law is just like walking around and they're showing you the lifelessness and the fact that there is no color during that time like yeah none like it's it's just again he's i love him he's one of my favorite directors um and he's like so quirky. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and we've got, like I said, quite the incredible cast here oh, to work with. Yeah. So this is, we were talking about this briefly. This is Ray Fine's first appearance in a Wes Anderson movie, as far as I can tell. Which he like knocked it out of the park. It oh, was yeah. 100%. So the, the, the absolute main character of this, this like. I, I mean, he's the, he's the head concierge. He's a little bit strange. He only <laughs> hooks up with old women, old rich women. Yeah. So, that But they... he's also like ostensibly bisexual. Oh, for sure. And then he like takes Zero under his wing. Like it's adorable. Yeah. Um, and then Zero is, uh, what's his name? Tony something from Spider-Man. Yes. Okay. That's what he's from. Yes. Yeah, so, he's Flash. Yeah. He's Flash after, after this, of course. I think this was his like debut. Uh, Looks like it. Yeah. Revelori, that's his last name. He was in a few short films, it looks like. Yeah, he was in this, then um, I believe he was, he was in, in Dope. Dope. Yeah, that movie's so good. Oh my god, that's what we should have done. <laughs> Nobody ever, I think you and I are the only people that remember that movie exists. Not gonna lie, that was on my list of movies. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> that was another movie that, I think that came out like the following year, right? Yeah, it was 2015. Yeah, also rated For R. For sure, <laughs> yes. With Shameik Moore, yes. Spider-Man, Miles Morales. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, that movie is so good. But yeah, the, the kid who plays Zero is so good. I, I, I don't even think that until you said Spider-Man, I don't think I would have figured out that he was Flash. Oh, I, I was like, I was sitting there the whole time like, who is this kid? I got so mad because we went to go see Spider-Man and I'm like, hey, that's the kid from Grand Budapest. And everyone's like, from what? And I'm just like, ugh. So now everyone's like, oh, it's the kid from Spider-Man. I'm like, no, he was in Grand Budapest first and in Dope, which yeah, like yeah. nobody saw that movie. And then there's, uh, yeah, uh, F. Murray uh, Abraham, who's been in literally everything. <laughs> like this dude's Wikipedia page is 14 miles long. He was Salieri in Amadeus in the 80s. Wow. Um, he was like on Broadway for like four or five years in in Angels in America. Was he? Yeah, as like a replacement. 
Oh. Just like doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Who else is in this? Oh, Tilda Swinton. I didn't even know that was Tilda Swinton. So uh, I was I was reading a little bit of the, the IMDb trivia about this movie. And apparently that was the one spot in this movie where Wes Anderson was like, if we're going to use old age makeup, we're going to pay the best people in Hollywood to do it. And we're not going to be able to recognize that this is Tilda Swinton. I did not recognize that that was Tilda Swinton at all. I, I, I would I did not either at first. Um. I, th- I think I figured it out eventually. I mean, uh, and nobody's in this for very long except for uh, Ray Fiennes and, and Tony Rivolori. Yeah. Like, every- Bill-, Bill Murray's in this for 10 seconds. Long um, enough to make a phone call, as as are five other people on that phone call, <laughs> who I can't even remember at this point. Oh, who else? Yeah, I don't I don't even know who else was on that call. Um, who else is in this? But everybody on that call was somebody. Yeah, there wasn't, like, nobody. So it was definitely somebody. Yeah. Willem Dafoe, obviously, is in most of these movies. <laughs> He's so finds creepy. his way in, and he plays. Does he ever say a word? Yeah, he does, because he talks to he? he talks to uh, the butler's sister. Oh, right, 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 right. <laughs> the um, girl with the club foot. Yeah, and I think he talks to to uh, Gustav and Zero at some point right before he dies. Yeah, Adrian Brody um, playing the Dimitri. Yeah, the the jilted son who doesn't get his inheritance or whatever (laughs) being perfect perfect casting for adrian brody who i love to hate always really yeah dude's just like i mean i i don't i don't hate him he's a wonderful wonderful actor but i feel like all most of the things i've seen him in have just been these characters i'm like uh, i love adrian brody Um, He's in the French Dispatch, apparently. Of course yeah, he is. Yeah, of course he is, which isn't coming out until next year. Um, uh, we, I mean, we were just talking about the village. What else? Oh, Jeff Goldblum as the as the lawyer. Yes, yeah, such which, a good such a good piece. It's like the least eccentric I've ever seen him. Seriously, yeah. Well, I mean, he's just playing like just Jeff Goldblum. Like no. No, I mean, he's have not, you, but he's have like... Have you seen the world according to Jeff Goldblum? I mean, yes, but sorry, what I mean is he's <laughs> playing the part that, like, would most befit someone named Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> yeah, I get it. <laughs> he's playing, like, the Eastern European Jewish lawyer. Yeah. Um, and but- he's got the he got the, the beard, the, 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 um, you know what I mean. No. That's the guy, um, from The Great Gatsby. The, what? Meyer Wolfsheim. Oh, yes. Okay. Who they describe as having that exact beard. The beard, yes. Got yeah. you. Um, who else is in in this oh Saoirse Ronan yeah Saoirse Ronan out of nowhere forgot she was in this or existed at this point I I don't think I ever realized that that was her until I rewatched it now no with her like perfectly uh formed Mexican like birthmark of Mexico (laughs) of Mexico yeah because why not because why not there's no rules here nope and 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 uh, like Jason Schwartzman has one line like who was he? Was he someone else on a call? On the call? Jason Schwartzman? He's um he's the 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 Oh, he's the the the, the one, new concierge. Yeah, yeah. like at, during the Jude Law time. Yes. Yeah, you're right. What is his name? There's so many names. Everybody gets a name. In this one, there's too many people that are named. Um, oh, Monsieur Jean. Yeah, that's what it is. So many people. Yeah, Owen Wilson in it for 30 seconds. Bill Murray in it for 10 seconds. Harvey Keitel playing the the, the shaved head gang leader for the oh prison my God, gang leader. Yes. The the um the gang leader the the whole like uh, Shawshank Redemption escape. I mean, so what is this? So for our listeners who have probably not, some of them have not seen this movie. <laughs> Give me a rundown on the plot of this movie real quick, because it is absolute bonkers. It's just... (laughs) Okay, so um, Jude Law runs into Zero, who owns the Grand Budapest Hotel in... What is it? In the the 60s? In the 60s, yeah. Um, And ends up befriending him, and they have, like, 
dinner together and Zero wants to tell him this whole story. So it, it cuts back to the 30s where Zero is like a, a bellboy. Like he's just a nobody. Um, and Ralph uh, finds, like takes him under his wing. Uh, Ralph finds being the head concierge of this Grand Budapest Hotel, which what like this is in the peak of its like busy heyday. Um, yeah. So he uh, likes to uh, befriend old uh, ladies so that they will leave him in their will. <laughs> and uh, that's basically what happens. Tilda Swinton's character dies. So he goes to pay his respects and ends up at the will reading where she left him some like priceless, like ridiculously expensive painting, Boy with Apple. Boy with Apple. <laughs> Um, and it's just like a uh, painting, which like is hilarious because if you're you don't catch it the first time around because obviously you haven't you don't know the plot. But once you watch it the second time around, you realize that boy with apple is just sitting behind Jason Swartzen's character. Yeah, like just hanging there, like it's there. <laughs> um. So yeah, she leaves him boy with apple, and then the family is like obviously contesting that. So he ends up stealing it and then gets arrested for it. And arrested for quote for um, poisoning Tilda Swinton's character, which I can't remember her name. Uh, it's some the ridiculous thing like Cecile something taxi. D- yeah, de taxis, <laughs> Groff sauce de taxis, something like that. <laughs> what um, does she? So do? yeah, so it's him escaping prison and basically trying to prove that he didn't like or basically just trying to avoid the police and the family's, like, I don't know what you would call um, Willem Dafoe's character. Freaking <laughs> They're, a, a hitman? I guess. A goon? I don't know. So he's got the hitman after him, he's got the Nazis after him, oh, and yes. the police. Oh, yeah, because this is, like, right in between World World War One and World War Two. Yeah. So, yeah. In this world that sort of exists. Sort of. What is the, what is the name of the country? Uh, Something with a Z. Hang I have on. no idea. It sure as heck does not take place in Budapest. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. Not even close. Oh, oh my god, what was it called? Um, that's not helpful. Zabrovka. Okay, there it is. Yes. <laughs> Some Eastern Bloc country pre World War Two. Um. Yeah. So what happens? Gustav like breaks out of jail and is like on the run, trying to get the painting which he has hidden at the Grand Budapest Hotel, um, so that they could sell it on the black market and like run away from the law. <laughs> and eventually, they end up proving that her son is the one that poisoned her. I think, right? Yes. Adrian Brody. Yes. Um. So he ends up, and and also that Tilda Swinton had written like a second will and left her entire like fortune and estate to gustav so he ends up including the hotel oh yeah including the hotel which was the the twist that she actually owned the hotel because we didn't know who owned the hotel um yeah it's a crazy story (laughs) yeah it is it is tough to follow i had to run it back a couple times today just because it's one of those ones where like if you look at your phone or something you miss something oh yeah everything happens very very fast you need to definitely uh pay attention and it, everyone talks really fast, like everything's happening really fast. It just, it's, it, and there's a lot happening. Um, there's one point where they're like going down a mountain on a sled. 
And um, while Willem Dafoe's character is like skiing because he just killed uh, the butler who knew about the second will. And it's just like, it's a whole thing. It is always wild to me when I see Ray Fiennes step into roles like this. Because you you think about him as being this sort of like more serious actor. I mean, he was, he was, uh, he's the current, maybe current M in the James Bond series. He's Voldemort. He is Voldemort. Like he's in, uh, he does a bunch of Shakespeare. And then he, he, he comes into roles like this. He's Schindler's List, man. (laughs) Yeah. He, he, he plays roles like this or like in Hail Caesar. (laughs) Oh my God. Hail Caesar. Where it's just why, because he brings the same severity and seriousness to these absolutely absurd roles. Absolutely. And Gustav is like, a, I mean, eccentric this, and like, yeah. just super weird. It's guy. a big role. Like, there's a lot to that. For sure. Ray Fiennes has a Tony Award for playing Hamlet. Yeah. That's, Fun that, fact. That was something I probably could have pulled out of yeah. the recesses of my brain. A Tony Award in 1995 for playing Hamlet. Oof. Wow. I did not know that Hamlet was winning Tony Awards in 1895. <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> what is oh happening? Gosh. 95. Uh, 95. That had to be a slow year for the Tonys. Or just a particularly good Shakespeare. Television, movies. What he does. Oh, there he is. Wow. He did a lot of stage stuff. Yeah. A lot of Shakespeare. Oh my yep, God. Best performance so by a leading actor in a play. There's a lot of Shakespeare. He's still doing Shakespeare. Best musical that year was Sunset Boulevard. Huh. It's wild that he does so much Shakespeare and his brother was the one from Shakespeare in Love. He, he just did Antony and Cleopatra like two years, three years, two years ago. What year is <laughs> it? 2020? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Oh yeah. Glenn Close won the Tony that year for Sunset Boulevard. Wow. 95. What else was happening in 95 on Broadway? Uh, So the two nominees for Best Musical, it looks like, were Sunset Boulevard and Smokey Joe's Cafe. Two nominees? Yeah. Wow. Oh, it gets better. Uh, the the nominees for uh, the nominees for best revival of musical were Showboat and How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so we had a we had a How to Succeed revival in 1995. Wait, so that's the year that uh, Matthew Broderick won. Um, hang on. If I'm not mistaken. No. No. Wait. Yes. Sorry. Yes. Okay. I did not know that Matthew Broderick won a Tony Award for playing J. Pierpont Finch. Yeah, I learned this information see- right now. I learned this as we, as we speak. See, there's something that I pulled out of the recesses of my brain. <laughs> this Wikipedia article is is very hard to like follow. On wiki? The, yeah. Oof. Let's see. What was that? 95, we said? Tony Awards. They gave best original score and best book straight to Sunset Boulevard without asking anybody <laughs> else. It looks like no nominees. Wow. Okay. I mean, Andrew Lloyd Webber. It's fine. That's fair. It's, I mean, it's a decent one. I've never seen it, but I've seen Sunset Boulevard, the movie. I haven't seen the times. movie. I've listened to the, the cast album a few times. It's yeah, okay. Yeah, I've listened to the cast album. It's, I mean, it's, it's Weber. He's pretty hit or miss. <laughs> they were nominated 11 times. Jesus. 11 nominations. Well, it looks like they didn't have any competition no. that year. M- n- nothing must have opened. Like. What happened the next year? 96. Had to be a big year. Rent. It was the 50th. Rent happened. Oh, duh. <laughs> Rent, The King and I, Hello Dolly. A funny thing happened on the way to the forum. Oh, Nathan Lane. Yeah. Yeah, he beat um, Adam Pascal for that. Audra McDonald, best featured actress in a play. Oh, Wild. that was the Victor Victoria that Julie Andrews declined her nomination. What? So, um, 
Victor Victoria, the only one that got nominated for that was Julie Andrews. So she declined her nomination because no one else in her company got nominated and no one else in the production got nominated. Huh. Yeah, that was a big thing. That was also the show that ruined her voice, but whatever. It's fine. I'm not bitter. Uh, apparently there was some contention from the king and i best revival for a musical look at that 1996 adina menzel lost i mean this yeah. is like adina menzel before she was adina menzel the wickedly talented adele <laughs> dazim at least there was like more nominations this year that's crazy there's only like three or four nominations let's see uh 2019 Tony. Well, that's what i'm saying i mean if, if every theater's full all year and nothing opens like what are you gonna do okay so 2019 tonys yeah like every category has like five nominations or six god i miss broadway uh best musical in uh, 97 was titanic what yeah oh steel pier lost steel pier so good when i was a freshman in college our uh freaking drama department did steel pier that is an underrated musical it's like oh, Love Jekyll Never Dies if Love Never Dies was good. It's like the same Listen, like Listen, we're not gonna get into this argument. <laughs> okay, but it's it's like it's it's like if they did the Coney Island thing right. Okay. I, I don't think I've ever seen is. it. Um what else came out that year? Oh, Chicago. Yeah. Ninety eight was The Lion King. Oh, Jekyll and Hyde. That was good. The Lion King. Did the King, Lion King ragtime. win everything because it deserves to? Um, let's see. Well so though, Cabaret was that year as well. Oh, well then Cabaret maybe not. Revival. Yeah, I mean, it's Kanner and Ebb. It's tough. It's a tough one. Lion King uh, lost original score to Ragtime, hmm. which vibes. Uh, Terrence McNally won for best book. Uh, somebody from Cabaret won for featured actor. Um, Alan Cumming won for Cabaret. So no, Lion King did not win everything. Oh, that makes me so sad. Um, who won best actress that year? Um, Natasha Richardson, Cabaret. Hmm. Fine. Beat out Alice Ripley from Sideshow. Was Heather Headley not even nominated? For what? For Nala in Lion King. No, wow. Uh, actually, yeah, no, Rafiki was nominated. Really? Anna Kendrick got a Tony nomination for High Society in 1998? What? What? What year are we looking at? 98? What? That can't be right. That Hang can't on. be the same Anna Kendrick. <laughs> Hang on. What? Uh... <laughs> Best featured actress in musical, High Society. How old was she? Um, uh, she was born in '85. She was 13. Yeah, and got nominated. Who did she? Who did we she should have covered the last five years. What'd you say? We should have covered the last five years. Oh my god, I was just listening to it today. Oh, I can't. That's that. I, because I, I can't listen to that without crying. I've been reading the Hamilton, and he talked about the last five years at one point. How are you liking the Hamilton? It's good. I'm enjoying. Here we are, <laughs> Hamilton. Dang it. Dang. How long did it take us? Why is it not? This is the worst Wikipedia page for a musical ever. It does not tell me the cast. <laughs> For what? For High Society? Yes. I love High Society. How does it not say? Yeah, it does. Uh, original Broadway production. Nope. How does it not say? Wow. This is really bad. I've come up um, on a bunch of Wikipedias of musicals that are just terrible. I mean... <laughs> like, it's there. Yeah. It's just in paragraph She was an form. honest-to-God child. Yeah, she was 13. She played... Oh, she was 12. A 12-year-old Anna Kendrick played Wild. Dina Lord. That does not... Name does not ring a bell. But I'm sure it would. I haven't seen that movie in so long. I've never listened. I forgot they made it into like a Broadway musical. Uh, Love Cole Porter. Tracy's Guests include her mother, <laughs> Grumpy Little Sister. She's the little sister. That tracks. Anna yeah. Kendrick. Tony nomination for Anna Kendrick. <laughs> over. Well, not over, but 
Yeah, we got one nomination for The Lion King, one nomination from, from Cabaret. Uh, featured actress, Audrey McDonald. Heather Headley deserved at least a nomination for um, Lion King. Nope, it's Natasha Richardson, uh, Betty Buckley, Marin Mazzi, and uh, Alice Ripley. What came out in 99. Oh, you're a good man, Charlie Brown, and he gets your gun. Wow. And bossy. Oh, wow. Oh, I got a revival for Death of a Salesman on the play side. Look at that. <laughs> God. Martin Short. Martin Short won a Tony Award? For Little Me. What? Yep. <laughs> Bernadette Peters. Yep. Kristen Chenoweth. Oh, Chenoweth. Kristen Chenoweth. Look at that. You're a good I man, Charlie Brown. I she was a good man, Charlie Brown. Yeah, she's Sally. Wow. <laughs> Listen, I don't pay that much attention to revivals. That's fine. She was like 99. She was Hyde so Pierce? young. Oh, he's a host. Never mind. Huh? I was like, what the hell did David Hyde Pierce get a Tony for? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, speaking of awards... Uh, the Grand Budapest Hotel won four Oscars. Yep. At the 2015 Oscars. It won four of them. It didn't win for Best Director. It did not. <laughs> it did not. A.G. Inuritu, Alejandro González Inuritu. There it is. Yeah. One for, for Birdman. Birdman. I mean, it was deserved. I'm not, yeah, I'm for not sure. at all saying that it wasn't. I just, you know, I have biases. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure which way my bias lands on that one, to tell you the truth. Again, that's fair. I don't think yeah. there's a wrong answer here. No, I don't think there is either. <laughs> Alessandro Desplat won for best score, and then it won for production design, costume design, makeup, and hairstyling. That all tracks. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Um, has he still not won anything? Wes Anderson? Yeah. I don't know. I can't imagine he has. If it wasn't for this, I don't know what it would have been for. Uh, best original screenplay. Nope, for that's not it. That's a BAFTA. Nope, zero Oscars. That makes me so sad. Nominated for screenplay for um, Ten of Bombs. No mm. uh, nominated for Fantastic Mr. Fox animated feature. Stupid nominated Disney. for original screenplay for Moonrise. Nominated for best picture, best director, and original screenplay for Budapest and best animated feature for Isle of Dogs. Who did he lose to in 2009? Oh well, he lost. What up. was that? Up, up. I almost said Toy Story three, but that's the next year. Yeah. Um. And then 2018 was. Did he? he was he even nominated? For, uh, yeah, for animated feature. Yeah. So 2018. That would have been Spider Man into the Spider Verse. Yeah. Deserved. Fine. De deserved. Honestly. <laughs> it was. I just want him to win his Oscar already. That's why I'm shocked that they pushed uh, the the French Dispatch. Yeah, I know, but like no one's gonna be able to see it. I mean, Movies that's are fair. canceled except for uh, Christopher except for Christopher Nolan. Oh no no! You didn't hear? No. Uh, uh postponed in like indefinitely. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's not good. Yeah. They were like dead set on having it come out next month. Like, it was supposed to come out this month. They were dead set on it coming out this month, and they moved it two weeks. Um. Uh, what the, what is the name of that movie? Uh, we've got a new scheduled date, September third, twenty twenty. We'll see. So they're just gonna we? keep trying to push it month by month. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I don't think that's coming out. Well, apparently they spent two hundred twenty-five million dollars on it, so. I get it. I get them wanting it to make some money. Who made it? Like, who who produced Warner this? Brothers. Okay, yeah. I was going to say, like, I feel like Warner Brothers is going to be the one to just throw money at Christopher Nolan and let him do whatever he wants. Yeah, I think they have... He has a, a contract with... Syncope has a contract with uh, Warner Brothers for distribution. Um, wait, so they, so 200 and what? 225 to $250 million. Wow. It looks Which like a good movie. Wild. It does look like a good movie. That's just, just such an amount of money. How much was Endgame? Especially if your your lead man is John David Washington, who isn't exactly oh, that valuable Spencer. right now. He's done one movie. He was great in that one movie, but he's not exactly his dad. Yeah. Um, Although I guess uh, Robert Pattinson, Michael Caine, <laughs> Kenneth Branagh. Of course, Michael Caine's in, in it. Of course, Michael Caine's in it. Who's 
Oh, Aaron Taylor Johnson's in it. Who the hell is that? He's, uh, not the Silver Surfer. Quicksilver. In what? Wait, who? Aaron Taylor Johnson? Wasn't he Quicksilver? Was he? Oh, in uh, the MCU. Yeah. Uh, Possibly? I don't know. Yeah. I didn't like Quicksilver in the S- MCU, so I didn't really... Pietro Maximoff. Yes. Um, John David Washington was in... Uh, ooh, Spike Lee. It was a Spike Lee uh, movie. Black Klansman. Yeah, Black Klansman. Yeah. Ah, he's good. I like that movie a he, lot. He's Denzel Washington's son. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which it took me about halfway through Black Klansman to realize that. Um, so I saw that, that movie with my dad and Linton and Linton was the one that told us that cause Denzel Washington's his like favorite actor. Um, so he's the one that told us that that was his son. And I, I like, I couldn't see it for like most of the movie. Like I was like, that doesn't, he doesn't look like his dad. And then there's he like doesn't... certain shots and certain ways that he says things. It, yeah. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah. He doesn't look like him. He sounds like yeah. him. hundred percent. He, he, there's certain words that he says where I'm like, and literally I was like, man, he reminds me of Denzel Washington when he talks. And I looked him up and it's John David Washington. Sure enough. <laughs> but because he, he doesn't, he doesn't look like him. No. Much. There's certain shots, but yeah. Tonight yeah. was supposed to be really good. Had a Louis Gordonson score instead of a Hans Zimmer score. I was what? really excited to see. Yeah. Louis Gordonson doing the score for a, a, a Christopher Nolan movie. I was very excited. I think uh, Hans Zimmer was busy with Dune. <laughs> Probably. Um, or just they decided to change things up. I don't know. Maybe there was a falling out. I sure hope not. But he's the one that did, he's the one that did the the score for Mandalorian, right? Yep, and yeah. Black Panther. Yeah, yeah. I was watching the the Mandalorian like behind the scenes series or whatever, and they did an entire episode on music with him. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, he's done all the Ryan Coogler movies. Um, oh, okay, including Creed too. Creed, yeah, Creed. And uh, he did Venom. And he did uh, the first three Childish Gambino albums. Really? Turns out. Maybe not the first three. Which one's Awaken My Love? That was after Redbone. Or no. I couldn't. I honestly couldn't that, tell you. That, yeah. Yeah. He produced Camp. That's wild. <laughs> Turns out. I knew that he knew them or knew him. I didn't know that he uh, produced three of his albums. Yeah. That was like apparently how he got his start. It looks like. I can't remember wild. if it was him. That he, I think it was him that like they were just like roommates or something. Oh, dang. So that's okay. how that worked. That's crazy. Yeah. And then now he's... Yeah. <laughs> you know. The guy. Emmy nominated now. That's crazy. Get his EGOT eventually. Oh, man. Um, Can't wait for wait for Ludwig Gordonson, the Broadway musical. That's going to be <laughs> something else. What kind like of musical? Like if Be More Chill was good. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, not my favorite. I, again, that's fair, but it's not bad. No, it's not bad at all. Love Never Dies is not bad either. Oh. <laughs> Love Never Dies is unlistenable. It is not unlistenable. If they hadn't if they hadn't shelled out for the cast, it would be unlistenable. It is not unlistenable. Oh, it's not great. I'm not saying obviously it's not his best work, but I can d- I would definitely listen to Love Never Dies over listening to Cats. Oh, same. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> you know, like there's like said, there's a lot of shows that I would rather listen to Love Never, Never Dies than listen to. I don't oh, I would I would say I would hazard a guess at most. I would rather listen to, to, to Love Never Dies than most musicals. Okay. So that doesn't mean it bad. It's not unlistenable then. No, there's a lot of bad musicals though. Yeah, there are. But <laughs> that's, that's what I'm saying. It's like we've had musicals for a long time. Yeah, I guess. It's not unlistenable. It's no okay. It's it's there are some songs that I can't handle. Most of the any Coney of the, Island songs. Any of the Coney Island stuff I can't listen to. I will skip those songs. Yeah, but everything that's like between the three of them. Yeah, it's pretty decent, yeah. Yes. That's all I'm saying. I could if it was 
Yeah, what is the name of the, the what's the big one? What's her means big one? Uh, till I hear you sing. Yeah, till I hear you sing. If that was just like one song with like a singular music musical idea instead of changing the tempo three different times. That's fair. That would be a banger, a straight up hit. Um, another Ramin uh, solo song that's not great is, uh, what is it? The Beauty Underneath. Oh yeah, the, the big like... <laughs> Yeah, that one's not great. But See, um, here's the thing. So Andrew Lee Weber hit Struck Lightning with Jesus Christ Superstar, right? He yes. was like, I can make rock and roll into musicals. And then after that, he was like, should I though? Do I dare? Should I? And then we like, we went full classical with Fan of the Opera. Yes. Like full on, you know, it needs to be played by a, a huge orchestra, except the exception of the synths. Mm-hmm. And then after that, he's just been like, guitars though. Guitars? Definitely guitars, right? And the, and the beauty underneath is one of those perfect examples of like, why do we need this kind of music yeah, here? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a little much. It's a little much. But again, like, I, I like uh, Love Never Dies. I think it's a very pretty song. Um, yeah. Like, her song is good. Uh, Devil Take the High Most is the best song on that album. Yeah, e- easily. But that's it, it's just any, any well-written piece of counterpoint is going to get me, no matter what. Same. Absolutely same. Um, yeah. And then he made uh, <laughs> School of Rock, which... I would Actually, I would rather listen to Love Never Dies than School of Rock, straight up. Same. Becca's not here. Um, yeah, no, I don't when like... When you climb <laughs> to the top of Mount Rock! <laughs> can't. Uh, I know that she loves Alex Brightman so much, I and he's do, great. too. I just, I can't. I can't. And I'd, I'd rather listen to Jack Black on <laughs> the School of Rock, like, and She music. doesn't like the movie, which is crazy <laughs> to me. Anyway, so so Grand Budapest. Let's oh. let's get back to let's get back to movies. Yes. Before we because I almost veered back onto Hamilton. <laughs> we started talking about about Counterpoint, and we almost veered back onto Hamilton. I almost started talking about Samuel Seabury. So good. Uh. <laughs> that dude apparently still does that part, or did until Broadway closed. Uh yeah, that's the that's uh the like the guy that that Becca's always talking about. That's like the um assistant choreographer or whatever. I thought that was Charles Lee. Mm. John Rua. No. Uh, hold on. Hamilton, OBC. What is his name? What is his name? Thane Jasperson. He was in Newsies. Yeah. So he's still he's still Samuel Seabury to this day. That's awesome. Turns out. Um, uh, okay. So not Hamilton. <laughs> uh, Graham Budapest. Yeah, not Hamilton. Back to back to the. <laughs> I've seen Hamilton and watched Hamilton. Listened to Hamilton too many times at this point. What is there too many times though? Because I'm pretty sure I've watched it and listened to it more than you have in the last month. Oh my god, it's almost yeah, been a but month. I, I don't think I'm that far behind you. Tell you the truth. <laughs> That makes me the happiest person ever. <laughs> like, as your friend, it makes me so happy that you like Hamilton. I'm waiting to watch it again until I finish the Hamilton. Okay, that's fair. Uh, which I'm not that far away from the end. Do, are you reading it, reading it, or are you listening to the audio? Reading it, reading okay. it. I didn't know there was an audio book, but I would much rather read it, read it, because it's like a it's textbook. It's a picture it's book. Like, yeah, it's got pictures and stuff. Yes. I get to see David Diggs in his underwear. <laughs> Uh, Grand Budapest. What else haven't we talked about? I just, I love watching Wes Anderson movies. Any, time, and it doesn't have to make sense. It's like, I say this is one of my lesser favorite ones because it's utter nonsense the whole time it and it's hard to follow and it's like stressful. Uh, but it's still, it's like, it's one of those ones where I could, I could just put it on mute and just watch it play, watch the scenes fold out. And it like, they almost work as silent movies. Oh, like, for sure. Yeah, no, he, he is such a beautiful movie like we were talking about color earlier and like my favorite scenes are when they're in like the elevator or where or at the like uh the concierge desk 
because they're in like the purple uniform with like a bright red background and it's just yeah. like it's a gorgeous like contrast of color but uh yeah these, these all of his movies are just gorgeous apparent interesting factoid apparently every time that there is a a newspaper displayed uh wes anderson wrote an article that went along with the headline oh my god that like just actually <laughs> genuinely talks about what it says in the headline now I want to go back and pause and read them. <laughs> Which that is that is by far my favorite Wes Anderson trope is when they do the when they'll do the like the slideshow of like five pictures as a scene transition while somebody talks. Yeah. Like like photos if framed on the wall and you just see five of them or like five different newspaper headlines. They even do it in Isle of Dogs um, with the television broadcasts. Yep. And that is absolutely my favorite Wes Anderson-ism. Yeah, like I mean like that or really small tables. I do love some really small tables. Some people eating at a dinner table that is four inches wide. Um, yeah, there's a part where, where I, I think it's when Zero's um, going to tell him that uh, uh, Tilda Swinton's characters died, where like he shows yeah. him the newspaper. And like the headline is obviously the war. So like you're yeah. getting that context that they're like in them about to like start this war or whatever. And then it like zooms into the smaller article where uh the taxis i can't I, like what is her name and they give her a nickname Cecile. oh madam d madam d yeah that's what it is um yeah because so everybody's it's... got an initial right like he's gustav h yeah um but yeah no this the, like all of the wes anderson movies are just beautiful to watch um this one is definitely the most chaotic yeah it's the it's the fastest. Yes. A lot of them are like the Life Aquatic is a slow movie. Oh, so slow. But it's like it's good because otherwise it would be really stressful because like undersea movies are usually stressful anyway, <laughs> just from the like the being under the water point yeah. of view. It's like if it was constantly going a million miles an hour yeah. like this is, it would be very stressful. Like this is a stressful movie. I don't find it stressful. I find it exciting. not like stressful, not like in a bad way, just in like a it's 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 tense in its own way. Yeah. No, I get what you're saying. Like I feel a real sense of like are they going to get out of this? And if so, how? Oh, yeah. It's like, it's, it's, it's like any of the oceans movies almost. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. It kind of has like that same like air of like danger of like, okay, there, there has to be a very um, specific way on how this is going to work out. Um, right. And it turns out it's like Saoirse Ronan baking tools, <laughs> tools into, the, into the pastries, into the pastries and then burrowing a Shawshank Redemptioning out of prison. And I love that. Like the pastries are so well decorated that even the guy that's like going through all of the food that's coming in is like, I don't want to destroy this because they're so yeah, pretty. Exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, well, it's, it's Mendel. Mendel is the best. Mendel. Um, I also like the fact that like towards the end, there isn't like this grand, uh, like reveal or grand story on how he died. Like his answer is like, well, in the end they shot him. Yeah. And like, that was like, the, that was it. it. It's like so focused on like the, the middle of the story, like the actual like adventure of it all versus like what actually happened. Right. He's like, when he died and my wife and child died. Yeah. And you know, turns out she had left him the, the hotel and now I own it. Yeah. And it's like, you answered his question in 30 seconds after an hour and a half of talking to this guy mm -hmm. ostensibly like a, a whole dinner and everything i love that he orders like all of this when he's like that should give us enough time if i start right now <laughs> oh no no i take it back my favorite wes andersonism is when uh somebody is narrating out loud while standing next to the person they're talking about oh at the very God. beginning yeah. when jude laws jude laws leaning against the counter while jason schwartzman's sitting there and he's narrating dead straight down the camera <laughs> about jason schwartzman out loud <laughs> yes oh my god it's incredible. 
Um, and it's, 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 it is truly, it's that, that magic realism thing. It takes place in these, these lands that like, obviously this is a part of Eastern Europe that you've just never been to, you yeah. know, like you've never heard of. Um, it's the same as any, uh, Gabriel Garcia Marquez piece. Like it's, it's this it's, place where there is something amiss and they abide by their own rules and like everything works, even if it doesn't a little bit. And also sometimes the backgrounds are painted. Yep. And like. Or everything's in miniature. Yeah, everything's in miniature. <laughs> they use a lot. Like, of, uh, they use a lot of miniatures in this. Yeah, I'd, I'd forgotten or not noticed that. Like even the first establishing shots with the the funicular train going up the um the mountain or whatever the mountain, which thank you to Taz Amnesty for funicular. like learning That's me about funicular word. trains. <laughs> I heard it and I was like, I know that word. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, okay, I know what to expect now. <laughs> Um, yeah, but so, so the actual, like, structure of the Grand Budapest was, I believe, a mall that they... Something like that. That they actually converted, and they, they actually used, like, the top floor for, like, the actual studio audience, like, um, offices. So everyone literally just, like, went to the hotel for work every day, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, and he had the whole cast and crew stay at the same hotel. Oh, yeah? And they would use the, uh, yeah, this is, I read this today. Apparently, they had the whole cast and crew stay at the same hotel, and they would, like, do all of the hair and makeup in the lobby of this hotel. Oh, wow. And the guy that you actually see at the beginning of the movie who's working the front desk, like, not the concierge desk, but, like, the reception desk, mm-hmm. the dude with the crazy hair, yeah. is the owner of that hotel. Oh, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, and so, uh, yeah, <laughs> I guess he needed somebody to be, the the it was just gonna use a, a crew member or whatever some some kind of extra mm-hmm. to be this receptionist desk guy and just found this dude standing there and was like hey do you want to be in this movie that I'm making <laughs> that I'm using your lobby for that is so crazy yeah I'm looking yeah, at, guess, a, at a picture of uh, Madame D like that doesn't look like Tilda Swinton at all yeah but what does Tilda Swinton look like though because I, um, I hear what you're saying but also like what does she look like because. If there's any, like, she's she's always in crazy get-ups and crazy makeup, like... Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just always see her bald now. From... Doctor Strange. Right. <laughs> yes. She's so many, so many pivotal canonical roles that but I have to She's in Snowpiercer? Yes, that's what I was about to say, actually. You haven't seen it? No, and I watched oh. the show. Oh, you watched the show but not the movie? Yeah. Um... So, I was, like... So then maybe I don't told, watch the movie. The movie might ruin things. Well, I don't know. I I watched it with um, two people who had watched the movie, and they only watched the pilot, and they were like, "No, this is garbage. I don't want to watch okay. this." So apparently, is it over now? Yeah, it's only. Okay. I think it's I'm only go ten watch episodes. It then. It's David Diggs, and I had watched Hamilton a lot, so I was like, "Well, I guess I should watch this now." Um, so I didn't realize that it was a uh, like a like a TV show, like on television television yeah so i missed the first episode and was like well there's me f- uh, i watched it on hulu no i think i just watched it on youtube tv on demand that's fair um it's i actually really liked it like a lot i believe it i want to i want to see it i've just been waiting for it to end it's a, it's ended yeah um well i will go watch it now i did enjoy the movie the movie's like not that great okay like it's good it's a perfectly good movie. It is not like anything incredible. It's extremely predictable. Okay. I mean, the plot like follows a straight line as they go forward through this train. Yeah. It is just like it is. It is completely formulaic, but it's 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 very well done, and it's got a great cast. It's like Chris Evans and Tilda Swinton and Elizabeth Banks and John Hurt and a bunch wow. of Korean people. And a bunch of Korean people. A bunch um, of Korean people. Just like a lot of Korean people. So is it? Is he like? In the tail of the train? Like, is he that guy? Who? Uh, Chris Evans. Chris Evans? 
Yeah. Okay. So he plays like the David Diggs character, I guess. I figured as much. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, the like revolutionary leader. Yeah. Yeah. That's David Diggs in this. Um, I I don't think I would say that the show is predictable. I think it's well, I, I really didn't figure it would well be. written because they're gonna have to they're gonna have to drag it out. I mean, it's not that long of a movie. Oh well, I mean, I'm pretty sure that it it deviates from the movie a lot. Yeah, it would so, have to. Um, but the way that they ended the season, like they they're perfectly set up for season two, which I'm assuming is happening because I think it went over well. Yeah, I liked it. it. Seems like it. <laughs> Um, but yeah. Oh, Ed Harris is in the movie too? Yes. I need to see this movie. Yeah, go watch it. I think it's on Netflix. Alison Pill. Alison Pill, not Elizabeth Banks. I don't know why I said Elizabeth Banks. I don't know why you said Elizabeth Banks either. I don't know. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah, I need to watch it. I haven't seen it. It's very, it's very good. I mean, like, I'm not trying to take away from it at all. It is just like... It's and people people talk about it like it's some kind of crazy like twist ending like mind bender movie and it's just not. But there's nothing wrong with that. It's just like that is how Hello. it was described to me and that it just wasn't that. Gotcha. There you are. You froze again. Oh, did I? Yeah. Dang. Skype sucks today. It does. No, I was just saying like it, it, it's not that like I'm holding anything against it. It just wasn't like a like a twisty like mind bender movie. Oh, okay. Gotcha. No, uh, I mean it's Bong Joon Ho. It's very well done. Um, some excellent acting for sure. I mean, he's a great director. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I can't imagine that it's like terrible, but no, no, I have no, a no. ninety-four on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, it's very good. It's just like there's not a ton to it. Okay, it's not deep. No. Well, yeah, I mean it. It could be deep. <laughs> it could be deep. It depends on how uh, I guess like woke the person watching it is. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> You could somebody could ostensibly watch it and be like, "Wow, that was some really deep political commentary there." Okay. And I'm just like, "Yeah, eat eat the rich." Got it. Oh no. Um, okay, so Tilda Swinton does not look just, like anybody, apparently. Tilda Swinton, yeah, that's what I'm saying, is like, she shows up sometimes and I'm just like, oh, that's you, hello. Yeah, but I feel like this is like the most I've like not recognized her. I would say that was Doctor Strange for me. Really? Yeah. She was just Tilda Swinton with no hair. Yeah, but that's that threw me for, for a minute. Really? Yeah. Hmm. I'm trying to see what other... What did I recently oh, watch Tilda Narnia. Swinton in? That's right. She was, I don't know what else. Oh, she was Archang- the Archangel Gabriel in Constantine. Oh, yes. But see, like, I still recognized her. Like, I knew that was Tilda Swinton. Yeah. This, I was like, I don't know who that old lady is. That's fair. I, mean, I think that they definitely did a good job, but she's she's crazy. She's a great actress. Been in a lot of great movies. Apparently refuses to stop acting, turns out. Look at the, like, her, her cast is is crazy, her filmography. She was a voice of somebody in Uncut Gems. Missed that completely. Uh, yeah, she apparently played an 82-year-old man in a movie. What movie? Okay, that would be the least I've ever recognized <laughs> Tilda Swinton. Uh, I don't know what movie this is. She was the voice of the Oracle in I Love Dogs. Yes, Wes Anderson. I love I Love Dogs. Trying to figure out what movie she might have played an 82-year-old man in. Uh, when was this article? This article was posted in 2018. Let's see. Uh, in the upcoming movie, Suspedia. I was just about to say, I think that's the one. Yeah. I don't oh, I don't think I've Luca, ever watched that movie. Luca Guadagnino from uh, Call Me By Your Name. Oh. He's the guy that's writing the new Scarface movie. Oh, I have opinions. <laughs> Go for it. Tell me your opinions on Scarface. I don't think Scarface needs to be remade. Interesting. Are you excited about a, a remake of Scarface? Kinda, yeah. Um, uh, okay. So I... I get where people are coming from. I, I don't feel like like there are there are obviously like canonical roles, like like roles that you can't remake, right? Like that nobody else could possibly play. I don't feel like Al Pacino was that guy in Scarface. I mean, that's fine. I, I would have a bigger problem with a new Michael Corleone than I would with a new Tony Montana Montana. Uh, 
I mean, yes, same. But also, as a resident of Miami, Florida, <laughs> I uh, have, like, very strong opinions on Scarface and whether it should be remade. I don't think it should be. Um, I mean, it's happening. It's not like I could stop it. Uh, I will probably go see the new Scarface. I hope it's good. I probably it's got a, like it more than I like Scarface team behind it. from the 80s. Because um, it's just like one of those movies, especially in Miami, oh that like Skype. you've watched a thousand times. And, you know, it takes place in Miami. So, like, I like to watch it and be like, oh, I know where that is. I know where that is. I know where that is. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's 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 got a it's got a team. We will see. We'll I see honestly haven't out. even looked into the remake and who's putting it together and what it, what it's even going to be. I just heard about it and I was like, well, OK, I guess that's a thing that's happening. So I I don't know what is happening with it. Precisely. Last I heard was that uh, uh, Michael B. Jordan's going to play Tony Montana. Is it? I thought it was. I thought I had heard that Diego Luna was going to play him. Diego Luna is no longer doing it. Aww. That's the, this is what I thought that your 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 feelings were going to be about. Your thoughts. No, I was unaware of this. Were about the fact that there's no longer a an handsome Hispanic man playing this this part. <laughs> Um, I mean, Michael B. Jordan is very handsome, um, but yeah, but he I is was not Cubano or in any way Spanish. No, he's not. But isn't it that they're like changing it up? Like he's not. It's not. Um, it's not. It's not even going to be like in Miami. Yeah, that's what I heard. So I mean, I'm not like I. Oh no, I sorry, honestly was like, okay, whatever. It's not going to be in Miami, so it doesn't have to be a Cuban person because obviously there's only Cubans in Miami. Um, but I was still under the impression that Diego Luna was going to be Tony Montana. That's upsetting. Yeah, I believe it's, I believe it is, uh, Michael B. Jordan. It is, it is not written by Luca Gordon, you know, it's, it's directed by them and written by the Coen brothers. So like I said, it's got a heck of a team behind it. I do love the Coen brothers. <laughs> I do too, but <laughs> uh, I just like, I just, I, I am, I don't think it I'll needs to be made. I, am, I, I'm, I, so I'm not from Miami, Florida. I hold no particular uh, affinity for Scarface, the movie. <laughs> It's just like, it's one of those movies that at least like I, it's when you watch it on cable, it's hilarious because it had for the longest time, like held the record for the number of curse words in a movie. Um, so watching it on like TNT where they try to um, <laughs> censor it is comical. Um, and it's just like one of those movies when like I remember when my dad was like, OK, you're old enough to watch this. Which, spoiler alert, I was not old enough to watch it. Is um, anybody old enough to watch Scarface? No. <laughs> I was most definitely not old enough to watch Scarface when I watched it. Um, and it was just like, it's ugh. like, I understand. But I, I think it does such a good job at showing Miami specifically like the city in that era. Like it comes off as so pretty and so, you know, hostile. <laughs> it's true. I'm so upset I, that Diego Luna is not going to be in this movie now. <laughs> I love Diego Luna. I didn't know that you didn't know. I didn't know. <laughs> so I figured that's what you were upset about. Was it not being? No, I'm upset with it being remade entirely like i don't think it needs to it's a movie that needs to be told or a story that needs to be told again gotcha. um i am now even more upset <laughs> that diego luna is not a part of this project but i mean i again i will most likely still watch it and make my opinions known when it comes out i think 
uh, the Wolf of Wall Street now has the most swear oh, yeah, words. Yeah, that was the one that, that knocked it out. Uh, closely followed by Uncut Gems from 2019, turns out. I haven't out. seen that yet. It's so good. It it's is on extremely Netflix, profane, right? apparently. Uh, it contains 500 F words. Wow. <laughs> 500, which is six, five, it, it's, it's 69 less than The Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> nice. But it is a shorter movie, so it is an average of 3.7 Fs <laughs> per minute. Wow. As opposed to the 3.16 from Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> wow. That is a lot of F-bombs. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen it. I have to watch it. Um, I think it's on Netflix. It's very good. It's got Tilda Swinton in it. <laughs> Does it? <laughs> She's apparently just in everything. It's got um, Adina Menzel in it. Yes, that I knew. And Lakeith Stanfield. Um, I knew Adina was in it. I, um, just, I just haven't watched it. It's very good. Scarface. It is, yeah, something like that. I like I said, I would be more upset if they recast uh, Michael Corleone. Oh, I, I, I feel like I would be too. Um, I just, I'd like want them to stop remaking movies. Right. Like just make those new are movies, movies that you can't remake, though. You cannot remake the Godfather. Yeah, no, you can't. And they will in our lifetime. Like they hundred percent will, but they should not. They should. What was not the one do people that? were mad about recently that I had this uh, this this argument that like movies should be as much as i don't like remakes i still believe that movies should be remakeable um oh it was the princess bride i wouldn't mind seeing uh, mm. well so everybody thought that it was going to be a full remake and it was like ivan reitman doing his like cell phone fan film oh, okay that everybody got wound up about which turned out to be the last thing that carl reiner ever acted in which mm. makes me sad but um yeah i don't i don't know if i would be the, the here's the thing i have the worst like judge of any of the remakes because all of the remakes that I've been excited for have been terrible and all of the ones that I like swear are going to be terrible have been good um so I, I I don't know how to feel about remakes I would prefer there just not be remakes and you know just new movies well I would I want I would much prefer that that Disney would stop doing them after Little because Mermaid <laughs> as much as I as much as I vouched for the Aladdin remake like it's still not good okay <laughs> I did not like the Aladdin remake. I enjoyed it. I, I, I enjoyed it for a lot of reasons, but it is like, it's rough around the edges for sure. I just like... <sighs> like homie's not a very good singer. No, he's not at all. Um, I mean, he's he's just as he's... <sighs> he at least owns it in a way that Emma Watson didn't. Ugh, yeah, no, that one was bad too. Yeah, I don't like any of the live actions. I'm hoping that Little Mermaid will be the exception. Because, like, even Jungle Book, which I enjoyed as a movie, like, the singing was still terrible. Christopher That's Walken the thing is and Bill Murray they're, cannot. They're trying so hard on this, like, you know, let's get big name actors now to, like, do it. People that can't sing. Yeah. To, like, force them into this role. Well, they didn't do that with Little Mermaid. No. So that's why I'm kind of like excited. I mean, obviously yeah. I'm excited because Lin-Manuel Miranda is making music with Alan Menken, which like is the center of the Venn diagram of musicians that Isn't I like. Isn't David Diggs going to be in it? Um, and I, yeah, I, the only, the only um, like casting choice that I'm kind of off about is uh, Melissa McCarthy as Ursula. But I lost you completely there. The other, oh, um, the only, what I was saying was the only casting choice that I'm kind of like eh about is um, Melissa so McCarthy as Ursula. Yeah. But like, um, Haley Bailey or Hallie Bailey. I don't know how to pronounce her name. Um, she's a great singer. I think she's going to be a great, yeah. um, Ariel. Uh, David Diggs is Sebastian. So like, sure. <laughs> I mean, we'll see. I think there, there are better people they could have chosen. 
Uh, it depends on what they do with Sebastian, because again, Lin Manuel Miranda's in this. So like, if he does like a, a like a "You're Welcome" rap song ish, uh, the way that he did for The Rock, I'm sure he will. But also, you know, he's just gonna throw some dancehall stuff at it, just out of nowhere. Like, oh man, <laughs> just like he did to Aaron Burr. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Because even as much as I love Hamilton now, even that felt weird to me. Um, which part? In it just it, anytime Burr has these like you know when he in 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 what is the what is the song we know or whatever mm-hmm. when he just starts doing the accent out of nowhere. Oh, you best go on one back where you come from. Even before that, the, the, that that his whole piece in that oh, he's got this. Yeah, this, like, I, get, I get what you're saying. Um, I don't. And know. and all of Burr's in in uh all of Burr's little pieces in nonstop or that or that Jamaican dance hall beat. Yeah. I guess. Mm. And so I'm scared that they're going to give that to David Diggs and try to, you know, go for the original Sebastian. And it's just going to be weird. We'll see. <laughs> I have. We'll see. I mean, I have. Um, I don't want to say high hopes, but I have. I'm cautiously optimistic. For- Are they going to get Christopher Jackson to just do the singing voice for somebody like they did <laughs> for-, for Moana? I guarantee you Christopher Jackson's going to be somewhere in that movie. Attached somehow. <laughs> yeah. Lynn cannot um, do anything without Christopher Jackson in it. Yeah, but it's not it's not Lynn's movie. Otherwise, Christopher Jackson would be playing uh, Neptune or whatever. Okay, but Moana wasn't Lynn's movie either. Yeah, and and they barely got him in there. But he was in there. That's what I'm saying. It's if this was like Lynn's version of The Little Mermaid, he would be Poseidon. Uh, Triton. Triton. Yeah. Whichever one they ended up with. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. No. <laughs> that would be. He doesn't sing. They would make him a song. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> he would just sing history as it size on you, like. <laughs> I was younger than you are now (laughs) when I got my first pair of legs. (laughs) Oh my God. That would be terrible. Yeah. That would be really bad. it's funny to think about. It's funny to think about as long as it doesn't actually happen. For sure. (laughs) Because Pour one out for In the Heights, the movie uh, that may never come out. It's going to come out next year. Hopefully. Ethan, stop. It's going to come out. It was supposed to have already been out. I will have no negativity and no negative thoughts about In the Heights, even if it's just about the release date. That movie needs to come out next year. I'm Should not going to lie. Been out. <sighs> I'm not going to lie. Like, everybody got all excited because, like, they announced that they weren't going to do In the Heights. Everyone was sad. And then, like, a week later, they're like, oh, don't worry. We're going to release Hamilton on Disney+. Plus. And I was like, I mean, I'm excited. Don't get me wrong. As if that made me want In the Heights any less. Yeah, but I'm still not okay with In the Heights not coming out. And I just, uh, I honestly would have rather had In the Heights come out this year and waited an extra year for Hamilton. (sighs) Yeah, but then I may never not have liked Hamilton. Really? Oh, well, you're probably, That's what I'm saying. If it didn't come out during the pandemic when I had nothing else to do, I might have still resisted it. Yeah. But like, that was, Hamilton became the next Animal Crossing. Like, that was the only thing to talk about. It's the only thing anybody's talked about for the last... 26 days. It's made me so happy. Apparently it's already been out for 26 days. That's crazy. Almost a month. It's made me like the happiest. And like, I know I've talked about it. We literally, like, Sincerely Us literally did three episodes on Hamilton. Um, And I've I've said it a lot, but it just makes me happy that I have like so many people to talk to about Hamilton now. And so many people that have fallen in love with it because everybody just thought I was crazy. And (laughs) now people think I'm less crazy. People get it now. Yeah. So like I was, well, I was talking to Rachel. I'm like, Rachel had posted something about like listening to the Hamilton soundtrack on like repeat. I'm like, let me know whenever you want to discuss. 
Did you see my Spotify on repeat playlist? No. <laughs> I'm sending it to you right now. Uh, Tyler tweeted it. So uh, Charlie had done that a couple, I want to say like a week ago. And mine was literally the entire ca- the entire album of Hamilton and one in the Heights song. I just sent you mine. <laughs> Which, to be fair, the results for this are super skewed because I don't listen to anything on Spotify right now. All I've been doing is listening to uh, podcasts and audiobooks yeah. for like the last month and, and Hamilton. Yeah. Like, that's it. So like it is, I wouldn't say that it is reflective. It's reflective of like my last 30 days, not my life. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. So also, I, I've listened to that Maroon 5 song twice. So <laughs> whatever. Um, This was. Also, my number one song is The Adams Administration. <laughs> Which is wild. I just sent you all three of mine because it's three pages long. Oh, I have one Hades Town song and 96,000 from In the Heights. Love that. And the rest of it is the entire Hamilton soundtrack. Jesus. Yeah. Story of tonight coming in last. Oof. Brutal. Yeah, it is what it is. You got a, you got a really high placement for, uh, for Meet Me Inside here. Um, so I only ever listened to it in order. So I'm sure like, yeah, I only ever listen to it like in order. I never shuffle it or listen to um, my playlists. So I don't know how the order of this has worked out, but it did. And I also don't skip songs. Spotify's weird. Oh, uh, I skip burn, not burn, uh, helpless. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. <laughs> partially because Satis- I don't want it stuck in my head the entire day, but partially just because like, yeah, I get it. You have a satisfied so much better. Yeah. He's talking to Hamilton about like, oh, Alexander married the right Skylar sister. And I'm like, did he? Did he though? Are we sure? Are we sure about that? Because he definitely would have lived longer. <laughs> yeah, definitely would have lived longer. Angelica Skylar would have had none of that. None of it. None of this. Oh, come back to bed. Oh, I have a meeting at dawn. Oh, well, I'm going back to bed then. <laughs> not that's not what would have happened dawn me i told i looked at kate the first time we watched together and i was like if i ever tell you i have a meeting at dawn question it please (laughs) chances are i've gotten myself into something i can't get myself out of and i would like some help um i'm glad that's the code word now yeah not no not even a code word just like if i ever start talking like that like please be suspicious (laughs) Yeah, for real. Like, I don't understand how I never she was just like, okay, meeting. sure, bye. Right. right. This is how our son died. But, which, to be fair, if that's how your son died, I could imagine sitting there thinking, well, he would never be that stupid. Have you watched Hamilton? Like, have you, like, the development of this character is, yes, he would be that stupid. No, I'm just, I'm defending uh eliza a little bit there saying that like i I understand sort of where she's coming from sort of no because at this point she has lived with him for how many years and they have been together for how many years like the answer is yes he would he would definitely be that stupid she shouldn't have let him go that's true yeah like that's what it comes down she shouldn't have let him go for sure i'm so glad we weren't gonna talk about hamilton (laughs) (sighs) i tried Uh, um, so do you have any final thoughts on Grand Budapest before we wrap this? It's an amazing movie and everybody should watch it. And if you don't want to watch it, just watch any other Wes Anderson movie. <sighs> Bless you. Thanks. Ugh, caught the sneezes. Yes, I agree. You should watch any Wes Anderson movie that you feel like. Whichever one is most on Netflix right now, because this is not it. No. I don't know which ones are on Netflix. I think Isle of Dogs may be on HBO. I think- I think Moonrise is on Netflix right now. Is it? 
potentially. I don't know. As far as I was concerned, this is the first time that Grand Budapest hasn't been on Netflix in the last five years. Yeah, so. I, I thought the same thing. Like, I went to go, I went on Netflix to look for it, and I'm like, where is it? Yeah, when I pulled out the Apple TV and went Grand Budapest Hotel, and it was like, pay three ninety nine to rent, I was like, are you kidding? Where did it go? Why? It's been on Netflix the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because I swear to God, Netflix has, has, for the last five years, been like, you should watch the Grand Budapest Hotel. And I'm like, I already did. Moonrise Kingdom is on Netflix. That's what I thought. And on Prime Video. Oh, look at that. Old not Amazon. On, not on Hulu. But it is on Netflix. Moonrise Kingdom's good. Um, I love the stop motion ones. Um, Fantastic Mr. Fox is great. George Clooney as a fox. Um, Fantastic Mr. Fox, I think, is my least favorite, <gasps> honestly. That makes me so sad. I much prefer the live action ones. Not that the stop motion ones aren't really cool. I just like, I much prefer the, the, the live action ones. I'm not surprised. Um, I really like Isle of Dogs, though. Like, Isle of Dogs goes before a bunch of the live actions for me. Maybe not a bunch, yeah. but like. Yeah, it's definitely higher than Phantasm Mr. Fox. It's definitely above Rushmore. Yes. Um, it's definitely above Bottle Rocket. Um, it's not above Moonrise not, or this. Yeah, it's not above these two. And um, I think. Probably Tenenbaums. I like Tenenbaums a lot. Yeah, I, I was going to say, maybe above Life Aquatic, maybe above um, Darjeeling, not above Tenenbaums. Tenenbaums is so good. It is. Um, but I really liked Isle of Dogs. I'm really excited for his new one, which I think is just all in black and white. Is it? I think so. Wild. The French Dispatch. I think that's what Let's my dad see was what we can me. find out about that movie, other than the fact that it's inevitably delayed. The French Dispatch has been de delayed indefinitely. One article says indefinitely. The other one says 2021. Who do I believe? None Does it have a date in 2021? Let's see. Nope. It just says it will likely arrive in 2021. So indefinitely then. Indefinitely. Oh no, it's in color. That's what I thought. I, I, I remember seeing like My stuff. dad had texted me today. He's like, because I, I don't know. He had said like it was going to be in black and white. I don't know if they might be releasing it in black and white as well. But he said that he wanted to watch it in black and white when it came out. Man, this is a hell of a cast. Yes. All of his. Like, um, almost everybody from this movie. Bill Murray, uh, uh, Saoirse Ronan, and um, Timothy Chalamet's in this one. Timothy Chalamet, Benicio Del Toro's in this? Yep. It's going to be so good. Francis McDormand. It's going to be so Francis good. Francis McDormand and Tilda Swinton. <laughs> yeah. Who else is in this? Owen Wilson. Henry Winkler. Adrian Brody. Christoph Waltz. Ooh, Jeffrey Wright's in it from Westworld. And, uh, oh, yeah. The Hunger Games movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Christoph Waltz. Harry, Henry Winkler's in it. Edward Norton. Kate Winslet. Kate Winslet, yeah. <laughs> it, it has been cast in undisclosed roles. Oh, wow. <laughs> Wild. Oh, man. So, yeah. Liv Schreiber. Uh, watch Wes Anderson movies. They're very pretty. Yes. That's basically what I have to say about this. The only things I like Owen Wilson in. <laughs> Um, okay. <laughs> I cannot stand Owen Wilson. Have you seen, um, uh, what is that movie where he, like, travels in time? Cars? I've seen Cars. No. <laughs> no. Um, Midnight like in Paris. In oh, yes. Yes. Did you not like No, that? I like Owen Wilson in plenty of things. I just, like, I can live without, like, Wedding Crashers. Oh, that's fair. 
I like him like in his, his like his more like, uh, balls to the wall comedies. I'm not a fan of. Yeah, no, I I like him in his like not uh, Vince Vaughn movies. Yes, I love Vince Vaughn though. Even in Vince Vaughn movies, there's something like the whole like stereotypical Owen Wilson. Like, wow, that's a crazy thing that happened to you, man. <laughs> I just can't like. I cannot with that whole character. Um, yeah, I think my favorite movie of his is Midnight in Paris. It's such a good movie. Um, also, Rachel McAdams' character's name is Inez. So, yeah, no. That's true. Yeah. I haven't seen that one in a grip. 2011 that movie came out? Yeah, it's been a while. Wow. I was going to say, I thought I was in high school. I was not. I definitely was not. Um, I either was in high school or just graduated. I had graduated. Two years ago. <laughs> yep. I love that, that when, you, when you Google Owen Wilson, the videos that come up are Owen Wilson saying, wow. I'm not surprised. <laughs> like, he's a he's a perfectly good actor. He's just been in a bunch of dumb comedies. Yes. Yeah, I was I was a fan of, like, the Wedding Crasher movies for a while, like, those type of movies. But um, I recently rewatched Wedding Crashers, and I, like, couldn't finish it. <laughs> like, I have no problem with, like, Zoolander. Oh, well, But yeah. it, I don't watch it for Owen Wilson. I never watched the sequel. I didn't either. Okay. I kind of forgot it existed. <laughs> oh, I did like the internship, which, like, nobody else liked. But I did like that one. I don't think I ever saw it. Um, Josh Gad is in that movie, and it, it's, like, his character specifically is really funny. Um, but I love Josh Gad. Uh, that That's... Probably like a, a guilty pleasure of mine, the internship, because I don't think it, anyone really liked that movie. Um, but I, I quote it a lot, and wow, it has a thirty four percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, nobody. So liked not this a whole movie. lot of people liked it. Nobody not, liked this movie. Not what we would describe as universal acclaim. Nope. Um, but yeah, it was just one of those that. I, it was on HBO for a while, so we just watched it a lot. Like, back when I had actual cable. Wow. <laughs> Owen Wilson was in Marley and Me, which I still have not seen to this day. Me neither. <laughs> refuse to watch it. I refuse to watch it either. Like, I can't. Dude, I can't watch... Um dog movies anymore like i've never been i've never been able to watch dog movies my grandma when i was really young decided to be a great idea to show me the movie my dog skip oh my Frankie gosh Nunez, <laughs> where kevin bacon freaking murks that dog over the top of the head with a shovel and locks it in a crypt oh my god yeah and somehow he survives what i was like seven. Oh my god yeah, I don't. I don't do well. I attach uh, very easily to animals. So like, I started watching The Witcher and immediately texted Mary Clay, and I'm like, I need you to tell me right now if his horse dies, like right now. <laughs> I'm like, because I need to know. And she's like, No, don't worry, he doesn't die. I'm like, Okay, I can continue watching the show. <laughs> I, I, oh, does he have like a horse with a name? Yeah, uh, his horse's ah. name is Roach. Oh, look at that. Um. But, like, he's very attached to his horse. And, uh, I... Does Tad Cooper, the lizard, die? <laughs> Tad Cooper does not die. <laughs> you need to watch Galavant. <laughs> I'm going to, at some point. Liar. I don't watch anything right now. The only thing I'm watching is Gilmore Girls with Kate. Oh, Have you It's her guys... first time. I know. Have you guys, like, actually picked up again? Or have you just been watching Hamilton? Oh, no. We've actually picked up. We're, like, into okay. season four. Sweet. Rory just got to Yale. Sweet. Yeah. She's about to meet Logan. Oh, my God. I'm so excited for Kate. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I was like, you just got to deal with Jess for a while. It's fine. Um, I only recently watched the like year in a life thing or whatever. I still haven't seen it. I mean, it's not bad, but it's not great. And they're doing another one. Are they? Yeah. Wild. It got announced that they're doing like a season two or whatever. Did you see that uh, when Lauren Graham wrote her book, she like titled it as like Lauren Graham from Gilmore Girls and Gilmore Girls? <laughs> No. Yeah, she at least acknowledges the fact that she's only ever been in one thing. Yeah. <laughs> 
Which is not true. She's been in plenty of things, but she is definitely remembered yeah, no, as Laura like Gilmore. Gilmore goes. And not like the principal from The Pacifier. Okay. Um, hey, that's a great movie. I've Underrated Vin Diesel movie there. I can't stand Vin Diesel. What? I know. I'm just learning this about I you. I know. What? I only... What do you mean I okay. can't stand Vin Diesel? So I... I... <laughs> I loved Fast and the Furious and Too Fast, Too Furious. And then I never watched another Fast and Furious movie ever again. Actually, no, that's not true. I watched Tokyo Drift. I was going to say, that's the best one. Yes, I did. not even in that. I did watch Tokyo Drift. Um, And then I don't remember. Oh, I think it was Triple X that I watched that it was just like terrible. And um, I don't remember what other movie. And then I was just like, I'm never going to watch another Vin Diesel movie ever again. And I didn't, except for oh, Guardians. For a silly kids movie, the pacifier absolutely slaps. I mean, but Underrated isn't it like movie. the same trope as like all of the, um, what was the one? <sighs> I don't know. It's like, like the whole like he's like a big tough guy and there's a little kid, so he has to. Like, yeah, but it was like the the first one of those. Oh, was it? Yeah. Okay, I'm probably never gonna watch it. It may have been like right before or right after or right alongside the game plan. That's the one I'm thinking of. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah, it was right, but it was like before The Rock did The Tooth Fairy. I see. I never watched that one either. It's not very good. I didn't think it was going to be. I did like the game yeah. plan though. Um, but Lauren Graham, Lauren Graham's currently in, uh, Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. My mom loves that show. It's really good. But yeah, so he's like a, he's like a big tough guy, but he's like, it's got some crazy, like, spy kids type elements to it. Like, they get involved in this, like, in like, espionage and like the whole family he has to like save the entire family like, it's not just one little kid it's like a couple oh, okay. high schoolers and their their youngest brother and everything and like he has to teach one of the kids to like dance so he can be in the sound of music and oh thinks the kid's like a neo-nazi because he finds like uh the nazi armband and and uh <laughs> hair dye in his bedroom because he's like it's his costume for the right and he, so he starts like military intelligence interrogating this guy oh because he's gosh. like a he's like a navy seal oh wow um it's it's pretty it's pretty funny honestly like it is an underrated movie i also didn't like spy kids so that was the wrong pool for me but don't look at me like that don't look at me like that <laughs> what i don't know i i mean like i what do you mean i don't like this guy Antonio Banderas? i'm aware of who's in this movie we've had this conversation before no we have not definitely like have had this conversation kids. I'm pretty sure we had this conversation on Sincerely Us when we talked about Evita. What? <laughs> oh my god, it's so good. I don't know. I mean, it's not It's not a good movie. It's so good, though. Like, I remember it's watching like, it and like... It's peak Banderas, man. He's so goofy. Is it? <laughs> yes. Because um, he's this... He's totally this over-the-top, like... Oh, man. <sighs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Spy Kids is so good. What the heck? This is that is an important micro generation between you and I. Apparently, I think you were probably too old for it. Probably. When did it come out? I don't know. A while ago. Spy Kids, two thousand one. I mean, yeah. So I was eight. I was ten. I think you just. I don't know. Were a jerk. I watched it. <laughs> the problem is, like, I was. I I didn't watch a lot of kids. Believe it or not. Um, I didn't watch a lot of, like, kid movies when I was a kid. I didn't either. And so, unless it was, like, a Disney animated movie, like, I didn't really, like, get into it. Um, I, I remember watching Spy Kids, and I, I think I enjoyed it. But, like, I know people who were like, oh, yeah, that was, like, one of my favorite movies growing up. I'm pretty sure oh, I easily, yeah. only watched it once. Um, and I didn't see any of the sequels, so. Yeah, I was a I was a weird kid. My favorite movies growing up were, like, Jurassic Park and Spy Kids and Lawrence of Arabia and... <laughs> 
Okay, so... Uh, I don't know, the Maltese Falcon, rear window. <laughs> See, yeah, you know, <laughs> I get it. I really do. I had a strange childhood. I'm trying to see. My, you know, I'd watch movies with my mom. So like my favorite movies were like, I would watch movies with both parents. They'd be completely separate. So I was like watching original Buster Keaton movies <laughs> and also Mystic Pizza. And like, that was my upbringing. Yeah. It's so like, I've seen Under the Tuscan Sun like eight times. <laughs> so I just looked it up. Kill Bill came out in 2003. I was 12, 12 years old, 12 years old. Um, so that's what, like sixth grade? Yeah. That was my favorite movie when I was in sixth grade. Like nobody else had seen Kill Bill that was my age. But that was a movie. I didn't see I didn't see Kill Bill, but I had definitely seen Pulp Fiction by the time oh, Kill yeah, Bill came sure. out. Oh, same. And um, Reservoir Dogs. Same. So that's my issue with kids movies specifically like live action kids movies because like i always saw all of the disney movies because we were a disney house like at my mom's um but my dad like we would go to the movies and we like an animated movie a kids movie never so oh yeah no way no way my dad would take me to see all the the crazy live action movies like i went to the lord of the rings movies with my dad um oh see so those i went with my mom but i did see them my, yeah my mom took me in like i was like 10 years old sitting in the movie theater watching the aviator with my mom all three hours of it just like as a 10 year old child <laughs> Well, um, the Titanic was like my favorite movie for like the longest time because I was yeah. what that came out in 97. Yeah, I was four. I was six. I did not see Titanic in theaters. I was six and I saw the Titanic three times in the movie theater as a six year old. And it was like one of those movies that when it came out on VHS, I would watch over and over and over and over and over again. Oh, two tapes. Two tapes. And I two never remind, rewinded the second one. <laughs> like ever. I never rewinded the second one. So I was always stuck waiting for it to rewind um yeah so i, oh, I dude, i had a i had a batmobile cassette rewinder <laughs> that rewinded the tapes for me i think we had a power rangers one yeah it was shaped like the batmobile i think i but like specifically the uh, remember like the michael keaton batmobile with the like fins yeah oh yeah <laughs> i probably have it still somewhere and it's probably valuable probably you should find that but yeah it would it would pop up in the front and you would put the cassette in it <laughs> Yeah, I'm pretty anyway. sure we had a Power Rangers one. Um, my brother was very interested. If it wasn't Power Rangers, then it was um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, for sure. I don't ever think we even needed one. Like, I think by the time I was alive, like, all the VCRs would rewind. Um, So, I remember at the um, TV, like, in the living room, that VHS didn't, like, the, the tape player didn't rewind. But then my brother and I, we shared a room, and... Um, the TV in our room, like our um, tape player, re like would rewind. Yeah. So we had a mix of both. Those are those are facts that like I was young enough when videotapes went out of style that like there are few videotape facts that I remember. But like I have to I have to place them sometimes. Like if we hadn't started talking about it, I, the Titanic had two tapes. I don't think I could have told you that I used to have a Batman <laughs> tape rewinder. But it's just like because like I remember DVDs becoming the thing and like. I could probably tell you probably 10 or 15 times that we rented tapes. Yeah. But like we rented a bunch of DVDs. Oh, for sure. Blockbuster. I had a Blockbuster like at the corner of my house. And um, yo, same. We would... It is now a Batteries Plus <laughs> and it has been a Batteries Plus since the day Blockbuster closed. Um, We would we would rent VHSs all the time. And I remember when DVDs came into it that like DVDs were in like one section. And it was like, ooh, who had a DVD player in order to rent DVDs? I still have yeah. VHS. <laughs> I also uh, yeah, remember... We got, we got on the DVD train pretty early, if I remember correctly. We had like a DVD player that was like a separate... We had a DVD VHS box. player. 
So it was a double. So like one end had like the DVD and then it was like the VHS because we had like I had all of the Disney classics on VHS and um, all of the Mary Kate and Ashley movies on VHS. See, that's another like kids thing that I was very into was Mary Kate and Ashley. Um, yeah, I had a bunch of tapes, but we mostly bought tapes as opposed to renting tapes for whatever reason. Okay. I guess maybe they were cheaper back then. I, we had a bunch of tapes. Yeah. And also like my mom would record stuff. And so we had a bunch of like movies that were like recorded from the television. We still and have them. We have not. Oh yeah, we still them. have them for sure. I don't know if they're so usable, but we still have them. Um, we we were going to digitalize them. Um, we haven't yet because we just haven't. But we still have a ton of home movies. Same. Yeah. Um, Linton actually just found like a bunch of the, like the from his like Sony camcorder, his dad's Sony camcorder, like the mini ones. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No. So my dad had the full ass like video camera <laughs> that took full size cassettes oh and you put on your shoulder. <laughs> Like a JVC video. We I still have it. No. Like I I imagine it still works. Uh Linton's dad like Linton's dad's very into tech the way that Linton is very into tech. So he had like a Sony that was actually from the nineties, like recording in HD. Like I don't know how much that man spent on that camcorder, but I tell you it was very expensive. A lot. <laughs> um And we were actually watching like his home videos, like on this, on the camcorder that is still functioning to this day. Right. Like it's insane. It's like, yeah, sometimes I sit there and think about all the different technology that I lived through. Oh, were you around? Um, Well, you were around, but do you remember um, HD DVD versus Blu-ray? Oh, do I remember? (laughs) Did you have an Xbox? Oh yeah, I had an Xbox and I had the thing. You lose. I bought the thing. <laughs> you lose. My dad got me one from Sam's and got me the the like original Planet Earth. Because that was the only thing that ever came out on yeah. HDVD. <laughs> there was a couple things that came out, but yeah, the Planet Earth thing was definitely like the biggest thing that came out. No, so we had an on we bought an honest to god Blu-ray player because I didn't have a PlayStation. Okay. Yeah, no, we uh, we're we, a PlayStation house. Except now Linson has like, an Xbox. Yeah. I have all of them. I have a Switch, a PlayStation, and an Xbox, and I will probably have the next generation. I'm an adult now. I make adult money. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think about all the technology I lived through. Like, like I was there from from uh, you know, I had a I had a brick a Nokia brick phone when they first came out. Same. I was in sixth grade. I got my Nokia brick phone, and um, now I have the newest iPhone. And like the technology has to some extent stopped changing. Yeah. Like the iPhones are all pretty much compatible and everything. And, and now it's like, but I, I, I watched cameras go from, from full tapes to small tapes mm-hmm. to, to like digital hard drives to CFast cards like the big ones, yep. the big X, SD cards. And then the Fuji had the XD cards. And then we all landed on, on like regular size uh, Sony proprietary uh, yeah. cards. Sony's always like a pain in the butt when it comes to that. Right. And so like, I remember I lived through all of that mm-hmm. crap. I lived through the, you know, the beginning of DVDs and like the the menus that would play over and over again and everything and like oh my god yes <laughs> all of this stuff that just doesn't like exist because dvds are gone yep like who who buy when was the last time you bought a dvd i, I ha- couldn't tell you i i can't i can't tell you the last time i bought a blu-ray oh the last time i bought a blu-ray was like three years ago to buy thor ragnarok and get the uh <laughs> get the, the dvd commentary so i could listen to taika waititi do the commentary which if you've never done Highly recommend. I'm pretty sure that's on Disney Plus. I'm sure it is. Like, but with it the wasn't. Commentary. It wasn't three years ago. I know. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> For those that don't want to go out and buy, buy the I may never buy another Blu-ray in my life. Yeah, I may never. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's crazy. And the same thing with like music, because like I remember cassettes and you know records, cassettes, CDs, um, 
MP3s, like an iPod, and now just, you know, having to have the iPod with the most memory to fit all of your songs. And oh, yeah. Now I just stream everything. Yeah, now I just stream everything. I have Spotify Premium. I've had Spotify Premium for the last. I haven't bought a song in. Yeah, I haven't bought eight years. I think the last um, album I bought was probably a Taylor Swift album before she went on Spotify. I did not listen to Taylor Swift while she was not on Spotify. Oh, I did. I was at, that was that was part of the reason I hated Taylor Swift for so <laughs> long. She wasn't on Spotify. I was like, you are not Garth Brooks or ACDC or the Beatles. You are not cool enough to not be on Spotify, <laughs> Taylor Swift. <laughs> But yeah, all the technology has changed so like, and that's that's the whole reason for the '90s being like the the nostalgia generation, right? Yeah. It's like everything changed so fast when we were kids that we can't hold on to anything. Yep. But it's like I've had five iPhones in a row. That's the longest I've had any single piece of technology like that that all worked the same. Yeah, I got into this argument actually with my dad because um, he gets upset that I buy the new iPhone every year because he's had the same Android that's falling apart for I don't know how many years. Um. And then complains when I can't fix it. Uh, (laughs) So he's like, well, why do you spend so much money? And I'm like, because it's the single device that I use the most in my life. Right. And I can use it for everything. And I do. Right. And there's also like, you're locked into how your phone works when you buy it. Mm -hmm. Like with with my desktop computer, if it it starts starts slowing down or has problems, I can rip a piece out and put a new one in. Exactly. No problem. If I could do that with my phone, I might be more, you know, if I break the display and I can go to Walmart and buy a new display. And change it yourself. 20 bucks to change it out. Like I would be more likely to, uh, first of all, I'd never have a phone case ever again. But, Same. Um, I would be much more likely to hang on to my phones for longer. But like, if I could, it, no, not even the, the screen. If I could change the battery. Yep. If I could literally go buy a new battery and put it in, I would keep the phone for longer. I probably would too. But I pay a fee every month, and I upgrade my phone every year for the privilege of running my battery ragged. Yep. I um, Lindsay gets mad because I I go like days without charging my phone. Um, yeah. Especially Same. now that I'm at home and, and I work <laughs> 11 Pro Max and I work on a on a MacBook. So all of my text messages, as long as they're f- iMessages, come to my computer. So like I never pick up my phone. Oh, see, I, I'm the opposite. I used to never charge my phone before a quarantine hit. And now the quarantine hit, I've charged my phone every day <laughs> because I use it so much. I actually use it less because, again, like I, I mean, I, I the people that I text all have iPhones except for Linton. So, uh, and most of the time I talk to Linton on Discord anyway. So everything's just on my computer. So there's no need for me to pick up my phone. I do not know where my MacBook is. Not going to lie to you. That's- it's somewhere in this apartment. <laughs> I need to find it tomorrow because I have something to do with it. But I don't know where it is. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's the only. Computer I am I looking through the windshield and I'm not going to hit anybody. <laughs> but no, I'm thinking about the Beatles. <laughs> All right. We got to wrap up because I got to edit this piece. Okay. Annie, it has been an absolute pleasure having this this meandering conversation in which we actually talked quite a bit about the movie. We did. And then quite a bit not about the movie. We did. And then more about the movie again. Well, thank you for having me. I'm so glad Absolutely. to finally be on. Thank you for coming to my rescue. For sure. Always. When I needed somebody. And uh, what is next week? Is next week the... Yes, it is. Next week, Tyler and I are going to be back covering The King of Staten Island. Ooh. Yeah. I haven't seen that yet. Well, you'll have to watch it. I guess. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's that's our movie for next week. Any, do you have any final thoughts? Where can we find you on the internet? Um, I know you were just on Bacon and Eggs, but... <laughs> So you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at underscore Eeny Meeny. That's I-N-Y-M-E-E-N-Y. You can follow Sincerely Us on everywhere on the internet, um, WBNE.org. We're on Spotify, um, Twitter and Instagram at Sincerely Us Pod. Uh, yeah. Fair enough. Well, I am at Ed Chill Photos on Instagram and at Wow Now, but those are zeros on Twitter. And we are at Bacon and Eggs Pod, anywhere you can find social media handles and Bacon and Eggs 
you know where bacon and eggs is you're listening to it right now <laughs> you can find a podcast congratulations um anyway our graphics are by vaishan brandon graphite.vmb on instagram our music is by andrew scott bell andrew scott bell music.com uh this has been another episode of bacon and eggs i've been ethan edgehill she's been ines when mayor <laughs> until me. next week arrivederci i don't have an a <laughs> that's fine i can just cut it okay it's no problem all right